0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, there's guest producer Andrew over there, Uh, and um, this is Stuff You Should Know, everybody, the real, real edition, (laughs) but not the online consignment retailer, just meaning real twice over. That's
0: right. Very real.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not augmented in any way. As a matter of fact, we're about as low-tech as it comes as far as podcasts go.
0: Oh, I think all podcasts are pretty low-tech, right?
1: No. Some people really kind of, you know, jazz it up. Yeah? A little razzle-dazzle. Sure.
0: Like, could you imagine a world where someone listens to stuff you should know, and they're wearing a headset. Right. And in front of their face, it was either us or what we're talking about or any of a mix of those things.
1: I like the second idea or what we're talking about or if it was an animated version of us. Remember those animated shorts? Yeah. Gosh, those were good.
0: Yeah, and you know, we have a mutual friend uh, who I will tell name off air to you who was getting into this quite a Mm -hmm. few years ago Mm -hmm. with another company Mm -hmm. and came to me and was like, hey, what do you think about maybe one day you and Josh, uh, you know, doing these shooting videos. And at first, I was like, nope. <laughs> he now hear me out. Uh Shooting videos to where we were, let's say, walking people on a virtual tour of like a neighborhood in New York City and telling about the history and the way
1: that we do and stuff like oh, that. Oh, man, that would be awesome. You think? Yes, dude. <laughs> I think people would love that. I would love that. Well, this person was also a big believer in
0: AR and said, Dude, in a few years, you won't be able to buy a pair of glasses or sunglasses that don't have this built in. Yeah, I think your friend is right. (laughs) Well, no, this was a few years ago. It's like it it should be happening right now, according to this person. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember at the time thinking, not only will that not happen in a few years, but that will never happen.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. So, I I see what you're saying. Like, with a lot of tech, there's like, you know, in five years, this is going to be all the rage and then five years comes and goes, and we're not that much further along. But if you step back and look at the progress that augmented reality is making, um, I I think your friend is ultimately going to be proven right. Maybe not over the the same time frame, obviously, because Mm -hmm. they've totally failed with their prediction. But... I think in the end your friend will be vindicated. I disagree. I hope. hope, Is this somebody (laughs) is this somebody that I like? Because I hope it's not someone I dislike and (laughs) I'm vindicating them because I feel like I'm trapped here.
0: Here's my prediction is that in the future there could be for sure people that are into this and Mm -hmm. that you can easily buy glasses like this. Right. But I think the notion that this is all of humans at some point Mm -hmm. walking around like this is silly.
1: We'll see. We'll see. We'll revisit this in five years, and I think things will will be a lot different than... I think you'll be singing a different tune walking around with your VR glasses on.
0: All right. Mark the date, everyone. Okay. Five years from now.
1: Yep. I'm not going to say I'll buy everyone a beer if that doesn't come true.
0: Halloween uh, 2024? Yeah. That's five years from now. If we don't look out of our house and see everybody walking around with living a virtual augmented world. Right.
1: Or I guess it's possible that that could also be the title of a Rob Zombie movie, too. (laughs) Halloween 2024. There's nothing but augmented Michael Myers everywhere.
0: That's true. I just wanted to go ahead and, and, uh, I guess, foreshadow my uh, future poo-pooing.
1: Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's easy to do when you're talking about predictions. But I guess we should probably tell everybody what we're talking about. It's augmented reality. It's in the title, so you should have some heads up. But to give kind of a brief definition of augmented reality, augmented reality, I'm going to say it a fourth time here, augmented reality (laughs) is uh, a type of technology that adds like a digital layer, a computer-generated layer of um, augmentation to real life. And it can be really actually any kind of sensory input. Typically, it's something visual. But it could also be haptic feedback, so tactile, like touch. Sure. It can be um, sound. You can be walking through a certain place that will trigger, like, a sound. Eventually, it might be smells, um, warmth. Who knows what we'll be able to do. But right now, most people are typically talking about visual stuff.
0: Yeah, well, they could combine uh, the eye smell Mm -hmm.
1: with VR or AR. Mm -hmm. I love that idea, man. I think the eye smell <laughs> was just ahead of its time. Not that it was a bad idea. They've already gotten music. They've had that since the Walkman. Sure. I guess it's, a, <laughs> it's primitive AR. Sure.
0: So I don't know that I would call uh, sound AR, except for the fact that maybe you could look at something and it's triggered. Right. But, Ooh, but uh, it's all there. It's all ready to have us leave our material world on a daily basis and go somewhere else entirely.
1: Well, that technically is virtual reality where you're plunged into an entirely alternative version of reality. Augmented reality is it's real. It's our normal reality, but there's there's an extra little touch to it that's digitized.
0: Yeah, but the videos that I've seen, there was so much going on. Mm-hmm. I, I, In my opinion, you are leaving the real world.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: I'm not saying you're transported to, you know, Venus or anything. Mm-hmm. But when you're sitting in a room and there are screens all in front of your face mm-hmm. and the couch is you know you can change your couch to a different fabric uh virtually like I, I don't consider that the real world
1: okay i i I think that you might be in the minority, but okay oh i I think we'll see in five years that I'm not <laughs> okay <laughs> so if you if you kind of are like well i still don't I don't quite get it what we're talking about is Pokemon go basically yeah. So, Pokemon Go, in 2016, it was an enormous hit. It's this game where you walk around and you basically play Pokemon in the real world. You go visit with Pokemon creatures and try to capture them. And, um, like, your score is, is, is shown on the screen of your phone. And you're using your camera, and it's adding that digitized Pokemon layer to the real world you're seeing through your camera screen. Right, right. And it was huge. Apparently, it just passed the $3 billion mark, which is a pretty, pretty substantial profit made for a game that's actually free. It's a free game, but there's a lot of in-app purchases. And right. they've made $3 billion off of that so far. So there's a huge appetite for augmented reality that Pokemon Go showed everyone. Oh, for sure. I think there are plenty of uh, applications
0: for augmented reality in the future.
1: Right, and so um, we kind of got into it a little bit, the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality. I've seen it put really well in that virtual reality takes the user anywhere, and augmented reality brings everything to the user. Um, I, th- I think that's a great description. But the idea is in, in VR, you're transported to a different world. In augmented reality, your world is, uh, has that digitized layer added to it. And then there's also something called mixed reality, Which if you read about it, that to me is, that's the future of augmented reality.
0: Yeah, I wasn't quite sure the exact difference here. It seems like very fine lines Mm -hmm. definition-wise.
1: It is is because augmented reality and mixed reality are virtually the same thing. It's just mixed reality is kind of like the um, more sophisticated version of augmented reality. But a good example that kind of distinguishes the two that I've seen is, um, let's say that you you have your augmented reality phone. Going, yeah, and you you hold a soup can up in front of it. Okay. Well, your your app says, "Oh, it's this soup." You know, it's it's Campbell's low sodium tomato soup. Obviously, user friend who's holding the phone up to the soup can wants to know more about this soup, and it triggers like uh, some nutrition facts that aren't found on the label, okay. uh, or maybe a recipe or something like that. And when you're looking at this soup can through your phone, the additional layer of information that's digitized over it that Mm -hmm. makes it augmented reality. It doesn't look like it's on the soup can. No, it's just like a little,
0: it's like you're looking at your computer screen, but it's in front of your face. Yeah, it's it's just floating.
1: Kind of, yes, but not nearly sophisticated. That's a different thing that we'll get into later. But it's just kind of like this layer of information that's just floating in space over there. Mixed reality is far more sophisticated, where if you um, held your hand up, In front of, in between the soup can and your phone. Your, your hand would, would what's called occlude. It would cover up yeah. that information. That's a big thing, and it's really, really hard to do. But it makes the, the stuff, that digitized layer of augmented reality, interact with reality that much more. So it could wrap around the soup can. It could be covered up by something that comes in between you and it. Um, that's mixed reality, and that's really ultimately what augmented reality will be in the future. That's right. Uh, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to suspect you have a real opinion about this.
0: No, again, I think there are totally people, the same people that loved Google Glass, which we'll get to later. Uh, whereas at the time I was like, this is not going to work.
1: I'm going to, I think you're wrong. I'm going to argue against your argument later on. I love it. Okay. So, um, we can explain a little bit, uh, about how this
0: works. It is, uh, we are not, uh, tech experts, (laughs) <laughs> and we're not going to go bother Jonathan Strickland right now.
1: No, or bother ourselves, frankly.
0: <laughs> but we can give you sort of a brief, the briefest uh, layman's overview of how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a, a field of, um, I, I mean, there's a lot of disciplines in it called computer vision mm-hmm. uh, that's really super complicated. But for our purposes, I guess we can just say that computer vision basically uh understands what's going on in the world around whoever is using the augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And they do this by, you know, there's there's got to be an interaction, and we'll talk about the wearables and the headsets and stuff right. uh, as opposed to, to smartphones. But what they use is something called a time-of-flight sensor, which is sort of works like uh, bats use echolocation, except mm-hmm. it's not echolocation, it's infrared light. So they bounce this light... And if you look at these things, it looks like a almost like a little GoPro camera or something like that. Right. uh, On your forehead, which sends out (laughs) these pulses of light that are reflected by the objects around you. And then it measures the delay of that light reflecting back to you Mm -hmm. to calculate, you know, everything basically, the depth of everything around you.
1: Right. And then uh, every time it makes this measurement, it also says, I'm a dork. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Because you're wearing this on your forehead.
0: Right. And uh, we also see with two eyes, uh, we have binocular vision. So Mm -hmm. in order to simulate that, uh, they have something called stereo cameras that are, you know, uh, basically placed like your eyeballs are Mm -hmm. uh, at a fixed distance and then triangulates everything together to work with your two eyeballs.
1: Right. Exactly. So if you look at the – if you have a new iPhone, if you look at the back, you'll see that there's two – Cameras on the back. Um, some cameras, I think Huawei. I can't remember how to pronounce it. They have a, a phone with three cameras. But I think the, the new iPhone does too. No, does it? Okay. Yeah. Um, but the 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 input from these cameras. Are providing slightly different information to mm-hmm. the onboard brain on your phone, and so it uses this different information to triangulate. It basically um, um, differentiates between the information and says, "Oh, okay, this is how far away this this thing is, or this wall is, or this you know walkway goes." And it uses that information to create. Um, the, the digitized layer that, that is augmented reality within the space that it realizes it's looking at. It's like, okay, this is what I have to work with. Let's get rendering. And that's the next step is rendering, which can be as simple as um, adding like that layer of text in front of you when you hold up that soup can, or it can be far, far more sophisticated, like, say, using a Snapchat filter that makes you look like you're wearing a a cute little cat mask. But no matter where you move your face up and down or if you open your mouth or something like that, it follows it perfectly, which would actually technically make the Snapchat filter mixed reality rather than augmented reality. Yeah, I don't
0: uh, do the Snapchat thing, but you can do that on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of doing that Facetiming uh, my kid, and now that's all she wants to do whenever well, we sure. Facetime. Yeah, is be a monkey or a dinosaur, <laughs> that's right. or a lion, or a lizard, or a robot, or whatever. <laughs> Roar. Which is kind of fun, and it is you know, uh, it, it is pretty amazing that on this little phone you can stick your tongue out and wrinkle your eyes, and and you can do that as a kitty
1: cat or a monkey mm-hmm. in real time. And so it does all this because of all the face, facial recognition um, software aboard your phone. Um, the gyroscope, you know, where you're like, who, who needs a compass? I'm not going to walk around in the woods with this thing. <laughs> I well, use that all the time, actually. Do you really? Yeah, That's I mean, hilarious. I'm not in
0: the woods, but you know me, I'm, I have a terrible sense of direction. So if I'm in New York or wherever and I'm like, I need to go north, then it's a very simple way to find out.
1: Yeah, true. But I always just use maps and it's really good for maps. That's how it knows which way you're facing is that gyroscope and GPS coordinates. So it's using all of this stuff. Um, along with facial recognition to, to map and track where you're moving. And no matter whether it's rendering the, the soup can information or the Snapchat filter, um, it, it does this. It does all these calculations and figures out where, what's going on in the room and your motion and where your face is or where the soup can is, all of that stuff. It does it every time the camera sends a frame of info to the to the onboard computer on your phone which happens 30 times per second so these calculations are being adjusted analyzed and remeasured and then the output is being put out 30 times per second which is pretty impressive you know what i think you just hit on the key difference
0: in our outlook on this what it sounds like you are primed for ar because i am someone if i'm in new york let's say and i will mm-hmm. say i will say uh, all right i know i need to go northeast to get to this place yeah. So I'll just chart what Northeast is. I'll put the phone in my pocket and I'll start walking. Start walking. <laughs> and I think you are more primed to look at your map and go along the streets that it's telling you to go on.
1: Mm-hmm. I listen to the computers, what you're saying.
0: No, not necessarily. But like, the, I think those are two distinct differences of like kinds of people and how they interact with technology and the world around them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I just want to know I'm going Northeast and that's correct. All right. A lot of people are wanted to look at that map the whole way mm-hmm. and know they're going, like, on the exact right street to get them there, right. I guess, the quickest.
1: Right. Which one do you think is correct?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I like to
1: meander. And <laughs> yeah, I like meandering, too. I'm with you, too, for sure. But I also use ways like, everywhere I drive, too. I've never used it. It's really helpful, but I don't I don't just sit, like, I don't sit there and, like, follow the Waze app or anything. Like, I'm looking out the window. So sure. I would say I'm somewhere between, between you and, like, a Pokemon Go player.
0: Well, I drive Emily crazy because I am quite comfortable, uh, getting, unless I'm in a hurry, mm-hmm. not getting someplace as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And she's always like, where are you going? I'm like, we'll get there.
1: <laughs> right eventually I like that too I like that too so don't mistake me I'm somewhere in the middle but yes I feel like I'm a little more um, into tech yeah or um, exploited by tech than you are say where did we leave off here um, uh, what the two types of augmented reality yeah did we did, did you say
0: those no, we haven't talked about that. Okay, cuz I was just about to talk about marker and markerless.
1: Yeah, those are the two broad categories.
0: Yeah, and these I mean it's very simple and it makes a lot of sense. Uh marker based is basically if something is sort of pre-programmed and loaded into your program or your app or your phone mm-hmm. and it knows, you know, once you look up at that thing like the New York Public Library if you're let's say you have an app about New York history, I keep picking on New York here cuz it's easy.
1: Well, we were just there, too. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> so, uh, it would have something preloaded about the
1: New York Public Library that will pop up in front of your face. Right. Um, it, it recognizes the library. It goes, oh, oh, I know that thing. Yeah, exactly. And it spits out the information. It's a marker.
0: Yeah, or, you know, it could be a QR code. Mm-hmm. Um a soup can. Don't forget soup cans, <laughs> yeah, Chuck. Got to know those soup recipes. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's add water.
1: Right. <laughs> I don't even add water. I think you're a chump if you add water to condensed soup because it's condensed to perfection, if you ask me. Oh, do you just do the straight up? Uh... Yeah, I like it to not run off the spoon when you hold the spoon upside down. Wow. All right. It depends on the soup, actually. I'm I'm, I am kidding, But I, gotcha. I, I have eaten soup that I have not added water to. I will use a little less
0: water, like in a, let's say, a Campbell's chicken noodle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can get a little watery, so I'll, I'll use like three-quarters of a can maybe.
1: Hey, I've got one for you. Have you ever had Progressos? I, I don't remember. It's like supposedly their like healthier version or whatever, mm. but they have a creamy chicken noodle. Is it good? It's amazing. I Yumi got it, and I just happened to be like, what's in the pantry? I'll open this, and I <laughs> ate it, and I, I like it so much that I would have felt bad not mentioning it since we're talking about soup. Yeah. I'm a fan of canned soup. Of having that around. Yeah, it's that time of year, too. It is. It's canned soup time of year, everyone. No one ever eats (laughs) canned gazpacho in the summer. Canned soup is like a fall-winter kind of thing. This episode brought to you by Progresso. (laughs) (laughs) It's that time of year, everyone.
0: (laughs) I wish it were that easy. Uh, Where were we? Markerless is a little bit different and a little bit trickier. Uh, It basically means there are no markers, so your device has to actually... Recognize things and be smart enough to say that's a soup can, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not pre-programmed in. But I know what a soup can looks like, so here's what you do: add water.
1: Right, exactly. So um, that Pokemon Go apparently did that. For example, when you were walking by a river, yeah, it would say, "Oh, I, I recognize a river," or "I recognize this bit of land," or something like that. And it doesn't have actual markers that are pre-programmed. It's just smart enough to to know a river when it sees a river mm-hmm. and it will show you like a, a water loving Pokemon like gyarados or something like that <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> alright let's
0: take a break <laughs> I'm gonna forget that ever happened <laughs> we'll talk about the history right after this Stuff You Should Know Josh
1: and Shock. <laughs> Stuff You Should Know So this okay. is brand new, right?
0: This yes, it's all it just brand happened. new.
1: No one has ever done anything with augmented reality until Pokemon Go in 2016. Uh,
0: I thought it was interesting, though, that the a very common thing that people might not think about football fans is that mm-hmm. that first down line, uh, and now they have all kinds of stuff like yards to go to make a kick, maybe, and stuff yep. like that. But they're overlays, and we talked about that on some other show. Some other episode, I can't remember. Yeah.
1: I couldn't remember which one it was either. But we've definitely talked about it.
0: Yeah, but those screen overlays, and from 1998 is when they debuted uh, Sports Vision, mm-hmm. that glowing line that is augmented reality. It that's is the kind it, I can get down with.
1: Right. Well, that's the so that works be, because you can only see it from one point of view. Right. So it really works on TV because you can only see from one point of view, which is the camera's point of view when you're watching TV. Works really well, and you can overlay all sorts of cool stuff. But um, what differentiates that from the augmented reality that's coming around today is that in the in the stands or whatever, maybe they could project it so you know you could see it from one angle. Um, in the future, meaning like six months from now, mm-hmm. everybody will be sitting around in a, a football stadium and they will be able to see the first down line from whatever their vantage point or point of view is. By looking through their phone or their Probably. headset? Yeah, their headset eventually. I'll bet if mm-hmm. there's not an app out that you can do that with your phone yet, I'm, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, very soon, I'm sure. I'm surprised they haven't overlaid ads on the field and stuff. I'm surprised by that, too, which will probably push things forward as well, advertising. Sure. So that was 1998 that the first downline came out, but it goes back way further than that. As a matter of fact, 30 years before that, there's a guy named Ivan Sutherland, who's a computer scientist, and he came up with a headset that you wore um, that looks a lot like a scary, clunky, old turn-of-the-century version of a VR headset. Yeah. But it drops you into these, like, wireframe rooms, wireframe-like, you know, line-drawn, computer-generated line-drawn, like Tronish kind of rooms.
0: I was going to say Battlezone,
1: but sure. Um, Do I don't know that what one? that is. No.
0: It was, it was another arcade game where you put your face into a, uh, into a sort of a headset. Oh, yeah. Was it like a battleship? Yeah, there were, like, tanks and things, but it was green wireframe. It was sort of 3D-looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, you controlled the, your tank with two, two controllers, like shifting controllers.
1: I got gotcha. you. I'm yeah. thinking of the one where you, it was like you're looking through a periscope and you had to like torpedo um, ships. So like you were, like you were, the joystick were two handles coming off of like the periscope faceplate that you were putting your oh, face okay. up to. Do you remember that one? I do. What was that one? I don't remember. It was probably just called Periscope or something stupid like that. Sub
0: submarine bomb, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't think you said what year it was for uh, Ivan Sutherland, though. That was the summer of love, my friends. It was nineteen sixty-eight.
1: Six- I thought sixty-nine was the summer of love.
0: <laughs> I mean, making
1: a joke? No, I really wasn't. But now I'm blushing. <laughs> I didn't mean that at all. This is what I'm saying. Like, these things just kind of uh-huh. happened to me. I'm a victim. I think 68 was a summer of love. I might be wrong. Well, let's just say both were.
0: Okay? 69 was post-coital. <laughs> right. Or pre. Wow. Uh, so, there was another um, researcher in 1974 uh, named Myron Kruger at UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like a... Halloween villain and he, he sounds like a 70s computer <laughs> researcher if I've ever heard right? of him Kruger. Yeah. That's true. The Krugs. Yeah. He uh, invented something called Video Place which if you look up is kind of fun to look at too. Mm-hmm. It was interactive and just think of the most rudimentary uh, VR you could think of um which is like someone going up to a, like a a 1970s Apple computer. if there was such a thing, and being able to touch the screen Mm -hmm. to make something happen. Very, very rudimentary.
1: Very rudimentary, but for the 70s in particular, this was like really ahead of its time. And like, you know, um, Ivan Sutherland and Myron Kruger, they were both working in, in computer science labs just generating like proof of concept. Oh, like, yeah. The fact that this was even possible and here's a here's a possible path forward to this. Um, and then that's kind of how things like augmented reality get pushed forward. Is there's right. people who figure out how to do it in the clunkiest, most primitive way possible. Uh-huh. And then over time, uh, other researchers and other students come along and they figure out how to shrink it down. And then the next thing you know, you have a smartphone that's capable of doing this kind of thing. And that's really where VR just took an enormous leap forward was when the first smartphones started to come out. Because if it weren't for smartphones, we would still be pressing like bed sheets at video place, you know what I mean? But the, the fact that smartphones were able to carry the hardware needed, like things like onboard cameras and gyroscopes and GPS coordinates and connections to the internet, the fact that all of this was suddenly in the palm of people's hands, people said, well, we should start doing things with, with this.
0: Yeah. And I'm not knocking those, those early pioneers. Like I think that's the coolest part about any, anything like this is the people that were brave enough to say like, hey, put this microwave on your head <laughs> right? and this is the future, you know, <laughs> right?" um, If you want to talk about an adorable presentation, you could go back to February two thousand nine, and look at the TED Talk uh, on Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really great because things were smaller, but they still didn't know how to like bring it all together in one uh, small like thing. They had to cobble a bunch of stuff together, right? So they had like a camera that you wore around your neck at like chest height. You had a smartphone. You had a mirror. You had a, initially a projector strapped to a helmet that you wore on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Dork. And it was all strung together. And uh, you wore these little colored caps on your fingers uh, to be able to interact with the thing that the projector on your head was emitting.
1: They do. They work for that. They also work really well to keep your fingers clean when you're eating buffalo wings. Pro- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I used to work with a commercial director named Tom Schiller, who was one of my idols, because he was an early writer for Saturday Night Live and did all mm-hmm. those old black and white SNL things with mm. Belushi. Sure, yeah. And Chiller was great, and he kind of took me under his wing, and I, I want to get in touch with the guy again. But he wore, uh, just as a gag, he would walk around on set and eat Cheetos with a surgical glove. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. And he told me one day, I was like, man, that's so funny, and he went, I don't even like Cheetos. He's like, I just do it for the gag. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: pretty great. It was great. Yeah, um, those. so they make surgical gloves that are just fingertip protectors? Uh huh. And Yumi got me some of those. And one time we went out to eat with a friend, and I was eating buffalo wings like that. So did you really? Yeah. And he like, he didn't say anything. Didn't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> he just looked over and just lost it. It was pretty great. It was. It went about as good as you can hope. I think I've seen those. What are those for? I don't know, man. I don't know. But I can tell you, they really do work for eating buffalo wings.
0: For some reason, I remember my grandmother had those when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I think it may have been like. Uh, to protect a cut or something if you're washing
1: dishes, okay. or maybe that's what she used them for. Sh- sure, I think it's one of those things where it's like we're just going to manufacture these and put them out there in the world, and <laughs> yeah, whatever, you uh, use them, them for them. whatever you whatever you want. Of
0: course, this was the mid '70s. This is pre-Buffalo Wing. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm when kidding. We're, okay, <laughs> I
0: was about to get crazy. I just wanted to rile up uh, all the people in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're wearing these caps on your fingers. That is used to, to you know, act as your go-between and manipulate the images that the projector on your head mm-hmm. is showing everywhere, which is kind of cool because it's on your head. Right. So, anything can be turned into a surface. Sure. Like, I mean, ideally, you're looking at a white wall.
1: Right. Or your wrist was one that they used. So, like, you could put, like, a, a numeric keypad projected onto your wrist. Yeah. Which is neat, but it doesn't mean anything unless if you press the numbers, it does something. And that's where those finger caps came in. Like the the it allowed the camera to track what your fingers were doing. And that was a really, really big proof proof of concept that oh, Sixth yeah. Sense put out there, which is tracking how we move because There's a difference between just adding a layer of recipes on your soup can (laughs) and being able to swipe through recipes just by making a gesture in the air with your finger. And that was something that Sixth Sense showed could be done. And that is starting to show up on phones as well, where now, you know, you squeeze your phone like the screen of your phone. It's using all sorts of sensors and pressure gauges and and, um, uh, vibration measurements. To, to figure out what you're doing with your fingers. Uh-huh. Now they're starting to track it using things like the infrared um, uh, time-of-flight camera right. so that you don't actually touch your your screen. You just kind of make these gestures above it. And when when that becomes further and further developed, that will very clearly be used for AR in the future. Yeah, and as
0: kind of funny and clunky as something from 2009 appears now, just 10 years ago, just scrub through to the end of that TED Talk and see the audience go wild. Like that that's the cool thing about this early tech or the people at these TED Talks, man. Mm-hmm. They can see it. They can see the future because they know. They can see beyond the fact that you've got six different things hanging around your neck and strapped to your head. Sure. It's the proof of concept because, like you said, they can always package it in the future in a nice little tidy thing that you can sell.
1: Well, everybody knows that TED Talks were populated by only the best people.
0: Only the best. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. So
0: there's a lot of this going on now all around you beyond the NFL on the football field and yeah. the NCAA. They use that yeah. stuff too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think everybody uses that that glowing line for first downs. And remember they had it following the hockey puck for a little while yeah, there? It didn't last. It didn't. And I specifically remember we talked about that, too, when yeah. we, w- wherever we talked about this before. Yeah, but hockey fans were like, mm-mm. Right. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I don't want me.
1: my puck to glow. <laughs> um, but the, the, it kind of has popped up here there in all sorts of random places. There was an Esquire cover once where when you waved your smartphone over it using the app, Robert Downey Jr. would start talking to you. Um, there's Starbucks Valentines you can send where you like looked at a cup and it would say, hey, be my Valentine or something stupid like that. Uh There was a theater production (laughs) in the 90s called Dancing in Cyberspace. Amazing. So people are like, oh, you can do stuff like this? So let me figure out a neat way to use it. But it hadn't really started to accumulate until the last probably five or seven or ten years when people really started throwing money at AR development and, and app creation.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of, you know, I use some of this stuff here and there. Um, I'm not like a, a total poo-pooer. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I'm never going to walk around the world with a headset on. I I don't <laughs> think that that's correct. Oh, man. I will not do it just to spite you. To I my, know to that. My that grade. Okay. Now
1: it's correct. <laughs> But it wouldn't have been had I not said. Had I just been like, sure, sure, of course not.
0: They'll be doing stories on the last man
1: on Earth to not do this, (laughs) (laughs) right? I wish I could go back and edit out your mind here or there, because this is one time I would do it. Uh, But I like stuff like the sky
0: maps. um, These apps where you can go out at nighttime or in the Mm -hmm. daytime, but it's Mm -hmm. more fun at night. Sure, and look at the stars and hold up your phone and um, see what what planets and constellations are out there and tap on one to get information. Yeah, Stuff like that's really neat. Um, My uncle, uh, or or rather, I guess, Emily's uncle, Tim, came to visit not too long ago, and he, I looked over, was with with my kid showing her the room around him, and I was like, all right, what's that all about? And I went over (laughs) and looked, and I don't know what the program was, but... It was just the walls were dripping with blood and gore. that wasn't there, but it very well could have been because there were like shark. You were like in an aquarium, there were sharks oh, cool. and fish and all these things. And she just, of course, it blew her mind.
1: Sure, but this is the world that she's growing up in. This I is going to be totally normal to her. That, that application, when she's in her 20s, uh-huh. will seem as primitive and clunky as a Walkman does today. Oh, for sure. You know? Oh, I mean, it looks clunky now. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say. So, how about like a people walking around with a phonograph? We're going to yeah. say that one instead. I'm going to just double down, <laughs> even more, triple down. I guess you could say triple down.
0: Uh, there are also other applications like um, there's one for the for the Gatwick Airport. It's a passenger app where you can hold it up and find out uh, information about wait times and where the restrooms are, where yeah. uh, you know where the restaurant you want to go to is.
1: Yeah, there's also one that's helpful. Actually, there's a handful of them where, like, it you remember where you park your car, and then when you're walking through a parking lot, there's, like, a big giant, like, arrow or something over your car that you just walk toward. I would use that. Sure, well, I go ahead, the, buddy, because it's out there right now. I use the
0: primitive version now, which is I just take a picture of the uh, the row number.
1: Knowing you, you'd probably, like, just carve a picture into a piece of tree bark. <laughs> and then Krelatoin. maybe you'll use your you'll use your phone to know where you know what direction oh, your car is so you can walk into
0: no man I'll drop a pen I'm not a total luddite <laughs> okay <laughs> uh the military obviously with anything tech is where a lot of the application goes um they are they have something called synthetic training environments yeah where you can fully uh well there are a couple of ways to use it you can fully practice stuff like you could practice uh, a raid on a terrorist compound over and over again um, with like as much information as you have about the compound and the building you can right. build that out virtually or you can potentially at some point have soldiers on the field that wear this stuff and look up and have overlays of uh, you know stuff beamed down from satellites about blueprints or mm. just information bring you know instead of hearing it through your walkie-talkie or whatever it's right,
1: right in front right, of your oh, face yeah. Yeah, you know how, like, when you zoom in at a, and you accidentally, like, move your your thumbs in a certain way, all of a sudden the street map, I think Google Maps, like, becomes three-dimensional? And, yeah. like, you're kind of looking at it in a little bit of a three... Well, you wouldn't know. Everyone else listening to this episode knows what I'm talking about. Um, but it, that's what they're saying. Like, you could be on a battlefield and all of a sudden it, there's, like, a three-dimensional visualization of what's ahead that you can know where to go. That's right. And... It will show you where your car is parked, which is great. <laughs>
0: right. Or potentially, uh, my friend was working on an app uh, in Los Angeles for like music festivals, uh-huh. so you can find your friends.
1: Yeah, stuff like that. Well, that's one that's um, that kind of pops up for something called Wikitude, and this is a it's a pretty good example of a uh, an entire kind of uh, type of. Augmented reality app where you just are looking at the world around you Mm -hmm. and it shows you all sorts of different information. So, like a building you're passing might have a restaurant in it and it'll show you like the daily specials for that restaurant. And then over here, there's um, somebody walking down the street and it has their Twitter handle over their head. Um, And then there's, uh, you know, like the hotel rates for a hotel down the street. And all this stuff is right there on your phone, which is pretty amazing. But I guess I hopefully you have to opt in for your Twitter handle to like be yeah. shown in an app like this. But that's a really good example of an entire variety of apps, which is just basically like that overlay of information, additional information about the world around us as we're moving through it.
0: Yeah, and I could see a world where, and this is what I told our mutual friend because he was just like, "What applications could you see? What could be cool?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "I could get. I guess I could see like if you go to the." Museum of Natural History, you could load up anyone from Jerry Seinfeld to us to us to be your docent for the day.
1: We, we could dress like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> we could.
0: Yeah. Uh, or you could just point your camera at someone and it dresses them as Teddy Roosevelt because that's a thing. If that's not a thing, it's about to be next week, I'm sure. Uh, so I could see applications like that. Um, historically, walking around a neighborhood, getting information instead of um going through the trouble to read the plaque by the statue.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um there's also one there's one for Pompeii that somebody built that's where you hover over the ruins and you look at your screen and it shows you what the building looked like before Pompeii was destroyed. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So so there's a lot of, you know, um really great applications already for learning about our world. My prediction is, is that is what our world's is going to look like when you're walking down the street or walking around a historical site or walking anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're going to be inundated with information like that. And I think you will be able to curate it yourself. Where you select, say, you know, if you're an Instagram user and you don't really use Twitter, well, it wouldn't show you people's Twitter handles. It would show you their Instagram handles. Or um, if you, if it knew you were looking for a hotel, Hotels. dot com would would show you rates, but it wouldn't otherwise. Like if it if it was in the city that you live in or something like that. Like you, it will be ultra tailored to the to the individual.
0: Yeah, they would never just feed you content that you didn't want to see automatically.
1: Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> no one no one does that. No. <laughs> uh, healthcare is obviously a big, big field for AR because you can do practice surgeries um, that aren't just generic. You can do it very specific to uh, the person. Mm-hmm. Um, there are maybe uh, the situation is like somebody could come in and have a wound and they could uh, point a, a camera or, you know, Your phone. A phone, I guess. Mm -hmm. I would imagine a hospital would have something a little more advanced, but maybe
1: not. I don't think you need it. I think you just need a smartphone.
0: I I just think they would
1: gussy it up at least so you didn't feel like (laughs) what you just your phone. phone? (laughs) Didn't you set that down on a a food tray on an airplane? (laughs) I mean, like, is that thing clean? But
0: it would look at the wound and it would send a message that says, you're screwed or. Yes. Or you're great.
1: Yeah, the the um, or, yeah, one of them, one of the uh, diagnoses is ew. Yeah, <laughs> but um, reading about this, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll go look up images of wounds for a little while, and I did. Did you really? <clears throat> Sometimes I can't help myself. Whenever I see the word wound, if I'm researching, I'll just be like, let's go see what some wound pictures look like. No, I'll do that. And Emily always is like, why do you do that? It's like picking at a scab or something. It's tough not to.
0: Well, and I also argued, this just happened the other day. I was like, you know, it's that same curiosity Mm -hmm. that, like, is why Josh and I do what we do for a living.
1: Yeah, the same one that also kills cats left (laughs) and right. Uh,
0: What are some other great applications? If you have sensory impairments,
1: that is huge. Yeah, yeah, I want to give a shout-out real quick here because I got this from this article called 39 Ways Augmented Reality Can Change the World in the Next Five Years. And it's by Yitzy Wiener on Thrive Global on Medium. Uh It's a lot of words I just spit out, but they all make sense eventually if you type them into Google. Um, And Yitzy Wiener, I guess, asked like 39 different people what they thought about the future of AR and stuff that's like just around the corner, and this was one of them.
0: Yeah, if you think about if you have uh, partial vision Mm -hmm. and it can actually help you to see, you know, it can make things pop more and make edges more visible. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to restore vision, obviously, but it can actually help out partially sighted people.
1: Yeah. Or if you uh, have a hearing impairment, um, you can say, walk around and it'll say, oh, there's a train coming because it hears the sound of a train and it'll flash on your screen, maybe a picture of a train or just the word train Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, there's a lot of applications for that, that will basically, um, cure is not the right word, but that will make living in, you know, uh, the world so much easier for people with with, um, disabilities that it's just, that's a really exciting thing, too. And And, shopping uh, is also exciting. Well, that's probably as as much as the military's funding will push this technology forward, retail will be at least as big a contributor as well. And it already is. Like some of the coolest VR apps around are ones that, that help us consume better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see this happening um, all around us, and in the near future, even more and more. Mm-hmm. You walk into a store, you're shopping for a couch, let's say, mm-hmm. and you can um, you can see what that couch might look like in your home, or if it fits through your door or in your yeah. space. Yeah, or, or what na- those you'd... glasses look like uh, instead of trying them on. Right, if they don't have them in the store, you can virtually try them on.
1: Yeah, and you don't even have to leave your home either. Too. Another way to do it is like you can just hold your your phone up and you can, you know, look at the space where you want a couch to go and select that couch and it'll show up and you'll be able to see what it looks like in that space.
0: Yes, and I'm sure it will be complete with suggested purchases and add-ons.
1: Right, you'll just be able to like click it like you see, and purchase it and it'll show up at your house.
0: And you might also want this ottoman and this throw rug.
1: Right. The yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You know that. what I'm talking about? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the the idea that all of this that our world, our augmented world in the not too distant future is going to be very personalized, that kind of comes through too. Um, one of those those people that Yitzy Wiener spoke to, which by the way, Yitzy Wiener has one of the better names of all time, if it's you fantastic. ask me. Um, Yitsi Wiener spoke to somebody who said, you know, this is going to be really personalized. So this AR world that you're experiencing, if you go to a restaurant that a friend recommended, they might've left like a a recommendation for a dish for you to eat just scrawled on the wall. No one else would be able to see it because Mm -hmm. your friend left it for you. But this is, this is like the kind of personalization that, that we'll have. Or if you walk into a store, rather than like tailored ads coming up in your, in your web searches, like, tailored ads will come up in your field of view, where it's like, hey, we heard that you were talking about this uh, this Depeche Mode album. Well, it just happens to be right there. Even though nobody buys albums anymore, go buy it, because this is a terrible <laughs> example, but it, you get what I'm saying. For That's sure. what the ad will say. You get what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's take uh, our last break here, and we will talk a little bit about some of the potential pitfalls and hurdles facing AR. <music>
1: Stuff you should know
0: Josh and
1: Chuck Woo! stuff you should know okay Chuck so Asus which makes um, all sorts of tech hardware and stuff. They released a phone recently called the Zenfone AR. Yeah. And it is basically made for augmented reality. It does all the other stuff that a phone does, but it has like an extra a bit of hardware and software that makes it like an ace at augmented reality. And one of the things that it has on board is Google's uh, Tango software. And Tango is basically like an AR suite. It has things like um, amazing motion detection, area learning. Um, Do you remember how we talked about markerless AR where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's a river. Oh, that's a walkway. Like it's really, really good at that, at determining um, markerless objects to, to figure out what needs to be projected where. Um, and it's a really amazing phone as far as AR goes. Um, the fact that it's out there really kind of shows like people are really pouring money into this this idea, this AR idea. Um, and eventually that is why I think it's going to hit. Yeah, and it, the phone looks, uh, it's, not, it's not so
0: clunky. It's like a regular smartphone and just mm-hmm. at the top in the center it has a little bit of a Hardware situation. Right. But it seems like it could probably still just fit into your pocket nicely. Right. It's not super bulky. Nothing on your forehead. Nothing on your forehead yet. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, though. You still need a phone. um, And most people, not most people, but over 3 billion people, close to, you know, inching toward 50% of the global population has a smartphone at this point. Right. So that's not an issue. Not the biggest issue, but there are some challenges, uh, and they are basically boiled down to hardware and bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, bandwidth is a really big deal right now until 5G is like fully integrated. Um, it's just really tough to meet the bandwidth needs of AR right now on a yes. day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, and like the kind of AR that we're talking about where it's called always-on augmented reality where you're just walking through the world and there's just digital, that digital layer is everywhere and it's really mixed too so that it's really interacting with reality in a very believable way. Mm -hmm. That is extraordinarily bandwidth hungry. Whereas like walking down the street and streaming a um, YouTube video in HD Mm -hmm. requires something like five or six megabytes per second of bandwidth, yeah, and something like thirty to fifty milliseconds of latency, which is lag time between when your phone sends a command to a server and then receives the info back. That's 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 about what it takes to watch an HD movie to stream an HD movie. But with um, with augmented reality apps, it's that's nothing. Like you wouldn't get anywhere with that.
0: No, you'd need about a hundred uh, per second bandwidth mm-hmm. and a latency of one millisecond. Yeah. And they think 5G could solve this
1: problem, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see. I think that it definitely will. I, th- I mean, they're talking about like an average download speed of a gigabyte a second and yeah. peaks of like 10 gigs a second, which is mo- way more than enough for an AR, um, an AR app. So I think 5G really will help move AR along. But you still, you said it earlier, we still have that problem with hardware, with a phone. Like the phone, holding your phone up in front of you is no way to move through the world. But that's basically what you have to do if you want to take part with augmented reality. Well, Google said, we have an idea. How about Google Glass? And everybody said, that's a terrible idea. Get that thing out of here. (laughs) Yeah, this was
0: uh, six years ago. I remember Jonathan Strickland. I think he was sent some Mm -hmm. uh, in his defense. I don't think he purchased them. But, uh, no, but Glass, he
1: definitely, he he really wore them <laughs> a lot, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, they, that did not work out. And one of the big problems was they didn't have it fully worked out before they said, hey, do you want to go ahead and try this thing out? Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have probably worked on it a little longer, but the prototype was released as the product. And they thought that this would just get such a claim that it's going to be the next big thing. And then we'll work out the kinks as uh, the money comes flooding in. Right. And that didn't happen um because people didn't like the idea of people walking around with a camera honed on everything or themselves
1: no that was a that's a big one and it still is today i mean privacy is an enormous problem with um, with augmented reality because to to be a part of it like you have you're you're your your wearable or your phone or whatever has to be taking in the world around it, and that very frequently includes people. And it's like you said, maybe there will very soon be uh, an augmented reality app where if you look at somebody, they're suddenly dressed like Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. That's probably pretty innocuous, but also maybe it takes their clothes off. And it shows them naked right there standing in front of you. And all of a sudden you're leering at them and they know what you're looking at. And that is an enormous invasion of privacy. Plus also with as much stuff as we share on social media, all that stuff can be cobbled together to create a pretty amazing profile of you. And if all of that comes up when you look at somebody, when somebody comes into your field of vision while you're wearing an augmented reality wearable or something, um, that's an enormous invasion of privacy too, especially if the person hasn't opted in for that to be shared.
0: That's right. And they are, here's the real scary thing. They're talking about AR contact lenses Mm -hmm. that you wear on your eyeballs, where this is just the world you see at all times. They're not clunky glasses. They're not headsets. Uh, You wouldn't even know that someone has these in necessarily. Uh, And the problem now is they can't um, provide a power source, uh, which means that they have not figured out a way to make them run on human tears.
1: Right. (laughs) Human tears are (laughs) um, blinking. Surely there's a way to make them work from blinking. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I could see that. You just got to blink a lot. Yes, yes. So there was something that we ran across um, that I think if you ask me, this is why a lot of people are going to start um, using things like uh, um, augmented reality wearables or implants or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be what's called, or there could be, I should say. I don't mean to say gonna because it's definitely not a foregone conclusion. But um, there could be a, um, a, a, like a career arms race is how I've seen it put where somebody who has like this implant or who has gone out and bought these contact lenses or whatever is going to be a much more productive employee than somebody who still goes to the trouble of typing out, you know, how to, you know, an internet search or something for information. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it the old school way. Right, They're going to get left behind. And when you're talking about things like livelihood, People are going to say, well, I need to go get those contact lenses or I need to undergo that surgery to get that implant so that I can keep up in today's job market. That is what's going to get everybody into the world of AR.
0: Yeah, and there are also uh, clearly just day-to-day physical pitfalls like walking into traffic or driving off a cliff Mm -hmm. um, because you're wearing those uh, wearable while you're in a car or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would think that some of those are going to start coming with... um, like you won't be able to operate it if it's moving, you know, over a certain miles per hour or something. I don't know how they're gonna. I,
1: I don't know, man. I do not know. Um, I do know that one of the issues that was raised about that though is the ability to hack into stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we're if we're just completely reliant and trusting of our apps or vir- or AR apps to like kind of take us from place to place we might stop thinking for ourselves and just kind of follow them blindly. Yeah. Like, you don't use Waze, but Waze is very well known, as good as it is, um, for leading you on some real, like, dingbat side yeah. side trips. Sure. To save you, like, a half of a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I follow them. Like, very rarely am I like, okay, wait, where are you taking me? And you'll scroll ahead or whatever, look at the turns, you know, in text. Instead, you just follow it and, you know, you have to look over sheepishly at the people who just watched you get off on a spur and then get back on and and really not get anywhere. (laughs) That's a really great example. But imagine if that leads you off of a cliff or something like that. And that happens. People literally have walked off cliffs Playing Pokemon Go because yeah. they weren't paying attention to the real world around them.
0: Yeah, and this isn't exactly AR, but my uh, again Emily's uncle uh, came to see us, and he has uh, he's a drone guy, mm-hmm. and he had a setup where you could fly the drone up, and then he put a headset on me, and then I could see through the drone's camera. Mm-hmm. So the drone's two hundred feet in the air, and then I can look around and operate the camera. Cool, as if I was up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could not get that headset off of my head quickly enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing too. And I think that's another reason why that five G is going to have to take places. Like this thing needs to be as smooth as possible, or people are just going to walk around throwing up everywhere. Oh, it did make me
0: sick. I just, it's just not my thing, man. I was like, I, I want to be in the real world. I don't want to wear a headset and look at something projected. Just I think, I think that thing.
1: that is. I think that will definitely be a thing, Chuck, or there will be like there'll be a whole movement of, you know, back to reality types where yeah. rather than back to nature, it'll be back to reality where people are like, no, we
0: yeah.
1: we just want to experience reality as it is. Then other people will be like, how can you ever say what reality really is? You know, what is subjective consciousness? You yeah. loon. And then they'll say, you're right. We might as well just get digitized. <laughs> you got anything else? I got nothing else. Well, let's revisit this one in five years. Okay. Let's do Halloween it. Halloween 2024. Uh, if you want to know more about augmented reality, go online and start finding apps and see what you think. You'll love it. There's also a pretty good article on how stuff works you can check out too. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh,
0: this is called a disagreement about trunk or treating. <laughs> okay. We had a very minor spat, which I thought oh, was yeah. pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I thought so too.
0: Uh, hey guys, been listening since 2016 and consider myself a devotee. I've marveled for some time about how good natu- uh, good-natured you are toward each other, mm-hmm. even when you disagree slightly on some of the controversial topics. Uh, I think it's an important skill to have, especially in the midst of divisive ages. After over three years of listening to your dulcet tones, however, your masks finally began to slip mm-hmm. on the most unlikely of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> trunk or treating. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the disagreement over the presence of apple bobbing at trunk or treating <laughs> was going to boil over. But being the consummate professionals you are, you swiftly moved on. I did find the momentary annoyance in your voices hilarious, though, and it just goes (laughs) to show you uh, Mm -hmm. that you take every episode very seriously, despite the seemingly laid-back manner in which you deliver your pearls of wisdom. I've long been waiting for a conflict between the two of you, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I've found uh, your on-mic relationship very funny, and the fact that the first sign of an argument came when discussing a child's Halloween event is the most stuff-you-should-know thing that has ever happened. (laughs) It made me laugh out loud.
1: That's awesome. So that is from uh, Alex in London. Thanks, Alex. You should go back and listen to the Barbie episode. (laughs) We had a little spat in that one, too, if I remember correctly. And I will say, this is not a
0: grass, water and grass level vindication, but we got (laughs) at least one email from a guy Uh that said our trunk or treating uh, has fall festival stuff, too, because... Yes,
1: that's fine. He said because
0: the kids, it would take them 15 minutes to visit the cars and that's not long enough
1: right so in this case (laughs) trunk or treating is a feature of the larger fall festival but Uh apple bobbing has nothing to do with trunk or treating (laughs) let's just end this okay let's do it All right. well uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Alex from London did you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com and check out our social links you can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com